doors. We gotta move stuff. So many closed doors. Like the disciples who were locked away in the upper room after Jesus' death, we too might feel that all hope is lost in this present time. But on this morning, on this morning, the stone that sealed the tomb where Jesus was laid to rest didn't sit idle. And as it broke free from its resting place, Jesus conquered death itself. Good morning, Christ Church. I'm Pastor Andrew, and it's wonderful to be worshiping with you in your living rooms this morning. Thanks for joining Christ Church, a church that is about lifting lives, elevating Christ, and being a church for those who aren't here yet. It's good to worship with you across time and across space as we gather together in Jesus' name and recognize that he is a risen, resurrected Lord. Last week was Easter Sunday, and so we are in full swing Easter mode. We are spending our time and our energy diving into the Easter narrative and trying to better understand how it can edify and strengthen us as we navigate today, today's worlds and today's troubles. We're in this sermon series that we just simply titled Living Room Easter because originally that first Easter did in fact have a great deal to do with the disciples in their living room, but I'm getting ahead of myself. That'll come in the coming weeks. What we're doing is we're studying the Gospel of John. A gospel is a firsthand eyewitness account. It's an account of stories that, that Jesus uh, taught and, and experiences that people had with Jesus. A gospel is a life, death, and resurrection account of Jesus Christ. And one of them, John specifically, has a beautiful narrative that ties into Easter. The Gospel of John and its Easter narratives are really up close and personal. They're nitty-gritty. They have to do with real people and really trying to better understand how individuals experience Jesus alive. This morning is no different. The individual that we'll be studying and looking at from John's Gospel is a woman, a follower of Jesus, a female disciple who had spent her time and her energy chasing after her rabbi's dust, going around and following, listening to his teachings, putting hopes and dreams in this, this itinerant rabbi named Jesus. This woman would have been there when Jesus was crucified, executed. She would have been up close and personal with Good Friday. She's also up close and personal experiencing Easter morning. The woman that we'll be studying this morning is her experience. She goes by the name of Mary Magdala, Mary Magdalene. She was from the town of Magdala, which is one of the towns in ancient Israel, and she had been following Jesus for years, culminating in this one moment where when she was approaching the tomb, she assumed as she was approaching the tomb that Jesus was most certainly dead buried and rolled behind this big stone. She was bringing some fragrances and spices and, and going through a ritual process as a Jewish woman who, as she would wash Jesus' deceased body and try to take care of him as a sign of devotion and love for him. And so as she was approaching the tomb that Easter Sunday morning, she was worried and concerned about how she's going to roll this stone away and how is she going to get in there to be able to take care 
of her rabbi's, her master's body. It doesn't go quite the way she expects. Let's dive into Mary's story. John chapter 20, starting at the 11th verse, describes it like this. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and she looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head of the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. The angels asked, Dear woman, why are you crying? They asked her. Because, because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. Now, when people in the Bible experience an angel, most of the time, the calling card for an angel is that they start by saying, do not fear or fear not. I mean, come on, meeting a supernatural being, a spiritual being is kind of a big deal. And yet in this particular story, it doesn't go quite the way we would expect it to go. I would venture to guess, if angels were to be male and female, these are definitely dude angels. Why? Because they don't start with fear not. They see a crying, bawling, sobbing woman, and they're terrified themselves. Their first response is to say, woman, why are you crying? How do I make it stop? Up until now, the story has to do with Mary and her tears. Mary and her tears and her fears. It makes sense. Tears and fears is all that Mary seems to have right now. Tears over the loss of Jesus, the loss of a future, the loss of a possible new opportunity for her and her life. Tears from the stress and the anxiety, tears from not knowing and not understanding what just transpired, fears from the Roman government, fears of persecution, fears of, of personal harm as being associated with this radical named Jesus who was recently crucified. Tears and fears is all Mary seems to have right now. And I don't know about you, but I feel like Maybe we can empathize. Empathize with Mary's fears. Empathize with Mary's tears. There's a lot of tears and there's a lot of fears going around the world right now. In our homes and in our living rooms. In the lives of people that we care about. There's anxiety. There's stress. There are moments of concern and worry about the future and the present, frustration with the past. And I'm not even just talking about the situation related to COVID-19. I'm talking about someone who just lost their job. I'm talking about someone who just got a diagnosis. I'm talking about someone who just got served divorce papers. I'm talking about you 
as you are trying to navigate this crazy, overwhelming, stressful world and life, undoubtedly, you have had at least one moment where you had overwhelming tears and fears. And so you can probably relate to Mary. She's standing outside the tomb. Can't even see that there are angels in front of her. She's crying. What happens next? Mary turned. She turns to leave, to abandon, to simply run away. She turns to leave, and then she sees someone standing there. It's Jesus. But but she does not recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? Here we see the first inkling of, well, Jesus' concern, just like the angels. Compassion and concern over the fears and tears of Mary. Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Mary thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go, I will get him. Mary doesn't even recognize that she's talking to Jesus. It's so outside of her scope. It's so outside of the possibility for her. She is so overwhelmed by the tears and the fears that she cannot recognize Jesus the one that she followed, the one that she listened to, the one that she hoped in and believed in. She doesn't recognize God standing with her in the midst of her tears and fears. It's actually a really profound statement. There's something here in between the lines. Tears and fears make it very hard to see Sometimes I draw on different pieces of art to inspire me and encourage me to help see how people have interpreted different biblical experiences, and that helps get my creative juices flowing for a sermon. I sat and I looked at some art related to this experience. What would have it been like to be there, to see Mary and, and Jesus there and her with the tears and him there? And I got to say, honestly, I was a little disappointed disappointed simply because it's not quite what I had ever imagined. Most of the paintings that I saw, Jesus is there looking very regal and very nice and all that sort of stuff. But so is Mary. Mary's face is glowing and she looks maybe a little uncomfortable, but man, did you notice how many times the biblical stories already told us she's crying and weeping and crying and weeping? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I think of this story, if I were to picture myself there, Mary is not just simply distressed. Oh, no. You know what Mary's doing? The ugly cry. You guys know what I'm talking about? The ugly cry? Yeah, you know. You know what an ugly cry is. 
An ugly cry is when you are so overwhelmed by the tears and the fears that everything goes so haywire. You are, you, you are crying in such a way, it's just, it's, just, it's just ugly. It just ain't good, you know? It's bad. You're crying and, and your eyes are so puffy and swollen and, and you can't even see, your, you can't even squint because your eyes are just so swollen. And, and, and the snot, I mean, come on, let's be honest, snot bubbles. You know what I'm talking about? Ugh. It's ugly. It's horrible. Ladies, you're always beautiful, but the mascara comes on down, and, and, and there's the tears, and your body starts making noises you didn't even know it could make. It's called an ugly cry for a reason. And it makes it really hard to see and understand your life and your situation. When you experience loss and stress to such an overwhelming degree, it makes it hard to see a way forward. It makes it hard to see God. We turn this way and we turn that way. We turn all over the place and we can't see what's sitting right in front of us. Jesus, resurrected. When we allow the emotions and the tears and fears to take hold of our lives, honestly, things get ugly and we make bad decisions and we end up not even recognizing God right there with us. If you've ever been in that place before, if you've ever turned to silly or stupid situations or you've made bad decisions and out of pain and out of grief and out of hurt, it takes something really significant. I mean, huge. I mean, it takes something that is absolutely astounding to, to break through the fears, break through the tears. It takes something that is stronger and bigger and mightier than the situation at hand, bigger than the stress, bigger than the frustrations, bigger than the fears and tears. It takes a Savior. It takes Jesus. It takes Jesus to break through and call our attention to himself again. That's exactly what he does for Mary. I mean, in this moment, Jesus would be perfectly justified, as far as I'm concerned, to look at Mary and say, Mary, come on, what's up? You don't recognize me? How much time did we spend together? I thought you knew me. I thought you loved me. Come on. I'm not a gardener. Jesus could respond with judgment. Jesus could respond with, with, with discouragement. Jesus could respond in a way that doesn't heal or bring hope, but instead he could just throw his hands in the air and walk out the garden. She doesn't even recognize him anyways. But he doesn't. That's not Jesus' way. Jesus is filled with compassion and care. He always has been. Story after story in the Gospels. 
displays Jesus coming to people stuck in their tears, stuck in their fears, and he reaches down into their lives. And he says, I love you. And he helps us find a way forward. He responds with compassion in kindness because that's who he is. But let me show you in the text. He says one word, Mary. Mary. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. As she is stuck in her tears and fears and cannot see a way forward, Jesus speaks to her with affection. He speaks to her with a level of intimacy and closeness. He calls her by her name. He knows her. He knows that she's overwhelmed. He knows that she's scared. He knows her. And he loves her. And so he calls her by name, drawing her attention away from her grief, away from her loss, away from the fears and the tears, and draws her attention to him right there with her, resurrected, alive, with all the implications that that has for her and for this world. Jesus, risen from the dead. And he says, Mary. It can't help but bring to mind some verses earlier in the Gospel of John where Jesus, Jesus talks about this, of caring and loving and Loving someone to such a degree that he could call them by name. He speaks of it in John chapter 10. He's describing a parable and describing himself as the great good shepherd. The gatekeeper opens the gate for the good shepherd and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. He leads them out of the fears and the tears to a place of safety, to a place of comfort and strength and resolve. He's the good shepherd. This also reminds us of another place where Jesus predicted this whole thing, this whole exchange with the crying and the weeping and the change, the turning, the movement to recognizing him and him resurrected. It describes it in John chapter 16. Very truly, I tell you, you're going to weep. You're going to mourn. There are going to be hard things in this world. The world will rejoice and you will have pain. But, but your pain will turn to joy. Joy. 
we will leave behind the tears and fears and focus our attention on Jesus alive, loving us. And it will well up such joy and hope and strength in us. This is the Christian life. One of the things that I love specifically about this narrative, this story, is that there is a twice-turning taking place. Mary first, in her tears and fears, turns and doesn't understand that Jesus is in front of her. She turns and she thinks he's a gardener. She turns and she allows her tears and her fears and her assumptions to guide her thoughts and emotions. And yet when Jesus speaks to her, calls to her, she turns again. She turns to Jesus and exclaims, Rabboni, a term also deeply intimate, affectionate, having received and experienced, wow, God's love, Jesus alive, having received the affectionate calling by name, Mary now turns around and affectionately responds to Jesus, beloved teacher, wondrous, good instructor and teacher. This is a term of endearment, Rabboni. Her eyes are opened. Her eyes are opened at the call of her name and she sees Jesus there and responds with the same affection and kindness and love that he has for her. She now reciprocates to him. This is the Christian life a twice-turning life. At first, we cast about and we turn to silly and stupid things. And then Jesus comes calling. And we turn away from our grief and we turn towards a risen and resurrected God who is bigger and greater than any fears or any tears. This is true for you this morning as well. This is true for you every morning. Jesus is alive, having conquered and defeated death. Having conquered and defeated sin, death, the devil, and all the powers of darkness. And what you face right now will certainly cause fears and tears. But Jesus is greater still, calling you by name, loving you, right there with you in the thick of it. You might have trouble seeing it right now. You might have trouble seeing a way forward. But Jesus is beckoning you, calling you, inviting you to turn from your grief, turn from the fears, turn from the tears, and focus on Him. Focus on what it means that Jesus has come back from the dead. I in no way wish to make small the situation that you face, but simply wish to put it in proper relationship to a risen, 
resurrected Savior who loves you and cherishes you, who knows Mary's name and knows your name. In the waters of baptism, we are called by name, adopted into God's family. We become children of the resurrection. He's called you by name, and he's right there in front of you. My exhortation is to listen, listen patiently for him. Listen for his voice, his instruction. Have faith in a resurrected Savior who is bigger than the fears and the tears. Stand up and proclaim your faith in the midst of the situation at hand. Join Mary, who would go on to preach. Believe it or not, women, you were the first preachers. Way to go. Mary went as instructed by Jesus and preached to the other disciples who were captured in their fears, captured in their tears, stuck behind closed doors, stuck in a living room. And she said, I have seen the Lord. Full of joy. Full of hope. Turning away from the grief. Turning our mourning into dancing. Grief towards God. Tears and fears towards joy in a risen Jesus. Let's have the same story ourselves. Please pray with me. Gracious God, we give thanks. Holy Spirit, we praise you and give thanks. Jesus Christ, we give thanks for who you are and how out of your love and compassion you would look upon Mary and her tears and her fears and you would speak to her with compassion and kindness. You would call her by name and draw her attention to the reality of your resurrection, which is greater than any tears or fears. We ask to open up our ears that we too could hear your calling. Open up our hearts and our spirits to hear your whisper in our lives. Reveal yourself here in the midst of whatever situation and challenge that we face today. Help us take comfort and strength. Help us take hope and find joy as we turn from our grief and turn instead to you, our risen and resurrected God. Jesus, we pray this and ask this and rejoice this morning because you are greater. And so we trust and pray this in your name. Amen.